which is which is really a, a, you know an, almost a almost an impressive thing to do, right? You know, how, how do I make the most people not care about my brand? Um, and so. Hello, and welcome to episode 196 of the Rockstar CNO Effing Marketing Podcast. It's Saturday, the 16th of December. The holidays are coming. I hope you've had a great week. And you're well and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. I'm your host, Ian Truscott. I'm a three-time CMO and trusted marketing advisor. And in this weekly podcast, I aim to share the marketing street knowledge that I hope will inspire your inner rock star with the help of chums I've met on my journey from sysadmin to CMO. Come say hello. You can find links to me and my guests in the show notes at rockstarcmo.com or on LinkedIn at rockstarcmo. And we are proud members of the Marketing Podcast Network. This week, Jeff Clark and I chat about B2B marketing and social media as we respond to changes in these platforms. And as we close in on the holiday season, Robert Rose shares a great cocktail for this time of year and thoughts on relationships in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. But first, we need to pay the bar tap. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. On to our first segment, the Rockstar CMO Studio with Jeff Clark, our resident strategy advisor, former Forrester Research Director. And this week, we have some questions about your B2B social media strategy. Ian, how are you doing? Welcome doing... to the studio. <laughs> See, you keep doing that. Every time you do a pause, I dive straight into it. But yes, I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. And thank you for welcoming me <laughs> to the studio. Uh, how are you this week? I am doing, uh, I'm doing very well. Having a good time. We're getting close to the holidays. So, um, yeah. you know, time to be cheery. Yeah. And uh, is it a winter wonderland up in Massachusetts? Or no. How's the weather? <laughs> no? <laughs> no, you know, well, they're having the uh, cop debates down in uh, uh, yep. down in the UAE. Uh, yep. We're experiencing climate change. No, it's not very wintry here. <laughs> no, no. It's, uh, it, I mean, it's miserable here, but it's not what I, it's not that beautiful, crisp weather I think we were talking about last week. So, yeah. Uh, so, um, so, Jeff. Uh, this week, you've been listening to NPR, which I think is probably a regular occurrence. <laughs> and it for does, yes. listeners outside <laughs> of the US, NPR is your public radio station, isn't it? Our public radio. National Public Radio, NPR, yes. yep. Oh, that's what it stands for. Oh, good, good to see. <laughs> I like their tiny desk concerts. Their tiny desk concerts. Oh, yes. Got, their tiny that, desk concerts are excellent. Yeah, yeah. They got me through the uh, pandemic, I think. And, and you've picked up something on social media that they were talking about the other day that I, well, we thought might be interesting to our listeners. Uh, and I'll let you get straight to it. What say you, Jeff? Well, you know, uh, it, um, 
Yes, this was something I heard on All Things Considered, and it was mm-hmm. uh, it was about social media. And it's, I mean, social media to me has been getting kind of a bad rap with Elon Musk on X, yes. and you know, people complaining about Facebook and on and on and on. And then there was this piece that says, "Can social media change public opinions?" Where two researchers, uh, Jennifer Pan and Andrew Guess, mm-hmm. they're they're from different universities. I think one's from Stanford. So they did this big research report, and as I checked in, they did a whole bunch of research reports mm-hmm. uh, trying to understand, you know, uh, the answer to that question. Uh, and the answer to the question was no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Social media not only does not change public opinions, but if you hold an opinion and you're active on social media, your opinion tends to become more extreme, not yeah. less. So you're not really convinced by the conversation, as people often call it. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, that then it's like I thought, um, you know, we, as we were talking about this last week, it's kind of, well, you know, we should just talk about what's the value of social media to BDB marketers? Yeah. Because, uh, you know, if, if it doesn't change people's opinion, then <laughs> what does it do? And why do we spend so much time focused on it yeah i like that and i like the um i listened to it as well and um i'll include a link to it in the show notes and it's called can social media change public opinion uh, and you can find it on npr um and I, it was really interesting and what i found really interesting about it as well is is that if you post your opinion on social media as you said you, it reinforces your own opinion right and so because people because the people yeah. who agree with you yeah you go i love that guy yeah. because he agrees with me and then and the person who doesn't you're like boy are you a jerk <laughs> yeah 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 and he just sends and and i think there's some psychology in that isn't it that, that where uh, that yes. they talked about which I, I found fascinating but, and i think the platforms know the psychology yeah so oh god they, they definitely know the psychology <laughs> but one of the things i was worried about when i was listening to it because i knew we were going to discuss it this week was how was this relevant to be two marketers because my first reaction was um do people really have that entrenched opinions about stuff but then when we were talking the last couple of weeks we've talked about not thought leadership and we've talked about having an opinion and so probably yeah i mean it's probably relevant to us in terms of knowing that we can't change people's opinions which also suggests that we should stick to our tribe right but anyway that's a different conversation (laughs) um but also i was wondering whether you know for us i think social media plays a role in broader role than just changing opinion it's about advertising and awareness and all those kinds of things that we're talking about so uh how do we make this relevant to our audience of B2B marketers was what I was thinking. And so we've put together five effing questions about social media and B2B. Um, shall we start? Yes. All right. Yes. So the first question, um, and I, or as you, I mean, I didn't come up with all these questions. These were between both of us, but as I'm the host, I guess, I, <laughs> I, get, I get to ask them. I, I'm happy to ask you a lot of questions. But... <laughs> no. uh, so... Um, the first question, uh, which I like, is are you in the business of shaping opinion? So this really leads on from that NPR thing about changing opinion. So are you in the business of shaping and, opinions? And, and as opposed to the the thing we discussed last mm. week, which is that for your brand, you need to have an opinion. Yes. Uh, and it sounds, it's, it sounds like they are conflated, but in fact, they're not. I mean, in most, in most cases, I think most, you know, uh, sales and marketing people are not, they're not trying to change people's opinions about anything other than it's like you want to be aware of our product and what mm-hmm. we do and how we can solve your needs. It's not really a, certainly not from a political perspective or necessarily a social science perspective, trying to change an opinion, um, unless 
you know, you're out, you're trying to like carve a new market space, yeah. you know, trying to be a challenger. Yeah. You, uh, you know, you notice that some people have some dissatisfaction with yeah. some of the big, uh, you know, the, the big vendors in a particular market. And you're like, you know, you need to take a different tack. Um, in that case, I think, yes, you may be out there trying to change opinions, particularly of influencers, analysts mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, but sometimes what you're trying to do is you're trying to like have an opinion and then other people are going to gravitate towards that because they're like, oh, I, yes, I agree with what they, mm-hmm. what they're saying mm-hmm. and I need to check out what they're doing because they may be able to help me. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think with the, and I think that's absolutely right because I think we are in the business of shaping opinions, but we shouldn't be dissuaded by the research that NPR came up with because I think um, some of those opinions, there are some opinions which are not going to be able to change. You know, like if you're asking people about how they feel about gun ownership, for example, they've probably got very yes. entrenched views about that. But if you ask them about whether they need, whether they should have a um, a chatbot on their website <laughs> probably less so right so so, yes. <laughs> so i think if you are a new challenger in the space i think you can change people's opinions and i think we've seen that with new categories haven't we and we've certainly seen yeah. that when when uh, a, when analysts and vendors coll- collaborate to create new categories and it creates a new opinion doesn't it about how to solve a solve a problem so how to solve yep so i think exactly. to, you, to your question are you in the business of shaping opinions i think yes right we are in the business of shaping opinions or so, Certainly, certain B two P marketers would be right, particularly like you say, as a challenge brand. So that's that's our first question. Is that sufficiently answered? Do you think? I, I think we <laughs> I think we've beaten that horse. <laughs> Good. I think we should. Well, the other thing what I, what I quite enjoyed about the NPR thing was it was like a fifteen minute program, which was really insightful. We spent about yeah. twenty five minutes doing a third of that. So apologies yes. to the listeners. <laughs> But anyway, so that was and a, you can and you can buy the research report and ah, just okay. Okay. go through the data too. Yeah, so, so I'll yeah. include the links there. Yeah, there's no data beyond our opinions. <laughs> All right, and the second question, the the question you need to ask yourself as a B two B marketer: Why are you on social media, and what's the strategy? So I think here was I was talking about the fact that you know the. CEO comes in and asks, what's our tick face strategy and the in-flight magazine and all that kind of good stuff. So, so Jeff, what do you say to that? And that's, and that's where you say, do you mean TikTok and <laughs> Facebook? No, I meant, oh, yes, yes. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, you know, I mean, this is, um, this is obviously a key question because it's like, you know, I mean, certainly some companies I've worked with recently, it's like, okay, we need to we need to be on Twitter, mm. uh, uh, not say Twitter. Well, yeah, if it could be Twitter, and then it's like, well, nobody's active on Twitter in mm. the company. Okay, what about Facebook? Well, we had a Facebook page, but mm. what was the purpose of it? And actually, you know, our customers were not on mm. on um, Facebook, at least not for what they would want to engage us on. Mm. And you, then you, you go down the list of platforms. Okay, LinkedIn. Well, um, what was interesting about one of the clients I've been working with recently is that. You know, if you look at their key markets they're in, like uh, uh, municipalities, state government, stuff like that, none of those people are on no. uh, LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. They go to schools, education, none of those people are on LinkedIn. Mm. You go to, okay, manufacturing, okay, they're on LinkedIn. So, mm. so then you start having the audience game of, you know, who are these, who, where are these people showing up? And if they're showing up on social media, it may yeah. not be some of the big name platforms you think of automatically off the bot off the top you may they may be in smaller mm-hmm. communities maybe they're focused around particular issues a community that comes up around cybersecurity in education or whatever 
Uh, and it's like, okay, now there's, there's where we can get involved and start doing our work mm. with our social media and, campaigns. And that's where you might actually see that Facebook is actually more relevant than LinkedIn with some of these folks, right? If it's a social cause or something of that nature where you're more, where, where it Absolutely. bleeds into your, your personal life. And not everybody, and the other thing is not everybody uses Facebook the same way as we do or, or one does, right? So you need to look at that, that, that behavior, uh, don't you? And I, I, I think that's really interesting because the other, the other thing, do you think, Jeff, sometimes there's like a, um, the opposite the, the opposite can happen where actually being across all these channels actually uh, reduces the credibility of your marketing in a way because you just look like you're, you know, you're not for them. So if you're, you know, if you are, um, I don't know, a, a local government and, and all you talk about is, is, is social media, they think, well, that, you're not for us. We're, we're slightly different to that. It is, um, it, that is a really good point because, uh, for one thing, any sort of social media marketing takes, mm. uh, a, a fair amount of legwork. Yeah. So, so, I mean, you can automate things and we may talk about that a little bit later, but it's like, you really, you can't just like throw stuff out there. Mm. And, and another thing I saw in some, one of the, the resources we may link to is that, you know, you can't just take something and then plaster it over all the different platforms mm. because people start to, see that you're just it, it's yeah, yeah. you know if you're just advertising as opposed to providing relevant yeah. content that they can work with yeah so it's really um you need to pick your spots yeah, yeah. i mean that's the getting back to your strategy you know if you, you look at your audience you look where they're involved pick yeah. those spots and forget the rest of it because you may not have a like the example i had about twitter it's like if no one in the company you know a company of 50 mm -hmm. people Knowing the company is on Twitter or X, sorry, mm. Elon, um, <laughs> then it's like, well, what? Yeah, you know, I, I could I could sit there and post all I want, but nobody's no, gonna, no. <laughs> nobody's going to be echoing it. Nobody's <laughs> going to be, you know, sending it to their I also, other people, their network, etc. Yeah, I also think there's a degree of some of this stuff where you're actually just, I mean, on LinkedIn particularly, where you're just playing to the echo chamber of your own employees, your own partners, and your own, and there might be a value in that. But I think sometimes, you know, we, we think that we're engaging with, with a group beyond our little goldfish bowl. Um, so, that's the the, so, the, so that's the second question. Why are you on, so that's the second question to ask yourself. Why are you on social media and what's the strategy? Third question, what social media platforms are relevant to your customers? So this is really an extension of the last one there, there Jeff. Yeah, we what kind of, we, we, we tipped into that. That's <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're following our notes. But it's, it is... Um, I, the, I think the other aspect which we didn't talk about is like what is what are they that what's the customer's purpose mm -hmm. for being on that and so uh, as you go yes. through the various platforms yeah, yeah. you know linkedin obviously it's good for networking it can be great for salespeople prospecting it can be good for building awareness um then you get into the the platforms that have kind of the longer form content you know like a youtube uh, where it's like people go to learn things there, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and, you know, you do a Google search or you get onto it, uh, another platform, you do a search, you know, you're going to turn up things that are on social sites. Mm. Uh, and and if people are out there, they're trying to say, you know, I have a need in my company and I'm looking yeah. for how to solve the problem and who can help solve it. Um, what, again, you know, is there something on YouTube? Is there mm. something, is there a community out there that, mm. that I need to get involved in and help, uh, to help me understand the other ways of solving my business problem? Um, mm. so it's, uh, 
you know, there's there's lots That's, of different reasons for people being on these various um, yeah, yeah. these various. That, uh, platforms and that that um that's about intent isn't it because if if somebody's coming onto youtube to look for a way to solve their problem they're not going to do that on linkedin right nobody searches yeah. linkedin to say how do you solve my problem they'll search google and maybe in the future chat gpt to understand how they solve their problem but they definitely search youtube and i think youtube is often forgotten as a social media channel in that way and that you need to have a a, 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 um, a strategy for that as well all right so um so this is so that question was what social media platforms are relevant to your customers so thinking about where are they going to solve their problems and that's also isn't it that's also goes back to some of the things we talked about before about when we've defined our personas is understanding their needs right so i presume that you then map that up and go well if do people solve their needs by searching on social and what does that content look like right one of the things, yeah, one of the things I was thinking of uh, earlier today was it's like when you think back to sort of the beginning, the infancy of mm. social media, I guess you could say, is, you know, people got on uh, chat rooms and in, yeah, yeah. in, you know, more rudimentary type communities, yeah, yeah. asking questions, sharing. And it's like so. So that was a, a definite need that was being served at, at the time, yeah. you know, decades ago. But it is absolutely ballooned into the number of places you can go. Yeah. Uh, and and if there's a way that a that a marketing organization can create or sponsor mm. a community, just get involved, mm. so they're in there, you know, helping talk to the various people yeah. within it as a developer network or user group, affinity groups, yeah, to uh, help people solve problems, then that's the place you want to be. Yeah, I used to have a case study. I mean, it must be a decade ago, something like that, where um, there was. Um, sort of high-end audio shop chain of stores um, and there was a, a um, discussion group about high-end audio, the famous one here. I can't, I've forgotten what they're called. And they're, I know the store, but I'm not going to mention the store's name. But And they would be very present in these discussion groups, you know, in the, and, and they, would, they would help just answer questions and help and help. And the community didn't feel like there was like this sort of wolf in the hen house, if you like, they felt that these guys were like a fox in the hen house, isn't it? But they, yes. they felt they, they felt wolves are worse. I think. Yeah, they felt they felt they this 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 store is very much considered to be you know part of the community. You know, everybody knows this chain of this chain of stores. Then and 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 they're part of the community, and they did that through that kind of activity. So I think yeah, I think being helpful. I mean, I'm in a Mustang owners uh, group on. Um, on Facebook and there's so many questions about what does this bit do? This bit's broken. Where do I find a new one of those and all that kind of good stuff. So I think if you're present on those, that sounds good. All right. So, so that was the, that was our third question. Our fourth question. uh, What can you learn by monitoring the mentions of your brand? This sounds like somebody phoned in and asked these questions. Maybe I should have (laughs) have faked that. It's the caller from uh, Santa Clara, California. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Uh, so what can what can you learn by monitoring the mentions of your brand, Jeff? Well, I think, you know, this is, uh, I can't remember how long ago we, we discussed um, different ways of, uh, of measuring brand. Mm-hmm. Um, we did. Well, brand. So yeah. brand awareness, brand perception, preference, yeah, yeah. customer, you know, and, and I think that's where using your social monitoring, social intelligence tools mm-hmm. and, and understanding mentions of your brand, positive, negative, yeah. associated with certain other words, stuff like that. I mean, this is really helpful, which is one of the reasons why I w- would want to make sure that social 
platforms that are relevant to our buyers yeah. survive uh, and don't go the way that X has gone with, you know, the decline in you know, well, uh, advertising yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. You know, it's like you want them to be successful doing what they should be doing mm-hmm. so that you can actually use them to what get your brand out there, but also understand how people react to your brand. Yeah. Well, I think that landscape, as you, you inferred there, I think that landscape has changed. I think, I think people that run events in particular have lost something with Twitter. What, what Elon's, done, Elon's done to the community is, is sad. I mean, it's a, it was a free tool and all that kind of stuff, rented land and all that, but nothing's really filled that void, I don't think, of, of that. And, and I saw the... Um, the founder of Spark Toro, one of these social media platforms, and he was he was saying that you know when when Elon broke Twitter, it was like oh my god, it's a fright for their business. So many businesses are built on that kind of brand monitoring, and I think the le- the more that the br- more that we and the brands are moving off of those platforms, then obviously that that so we're going to need to watch that space, I think, and see and and and, and it's gonna- yeah because I think there's there are companies out there that are willing to fill that space yeah. and uh, it's just yeah. going to be a matter of time. Yeah, absolutely. But Twitter was the place. So it's strange, isn't it? Anyway, so uh, and also we everybody would get their um, uh, like their customer service on Twitter. If you were really pissed off, you would tweet about it. And, oh yeah, and, 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 so and then was, bang, they, yeah, yep. yeah, so much. Anyway, I've got a story about that. I, I once tweeted about a problem, and it's lovely when you get a lovely response and everything, but if they can't solve your problem, then there's no point. It's, so you, anyway, that's a different conversation about social media. So. That'll be next week's episode. <laughs> I don't know about that. All right, so, uh, and then, so let's get to our fifth question, our fifth effing question, um, about automating the, the execution. I didn't structure this as a question in the... In the notes. So what about automating the execution? That's probably better, isn't it? So any thoughts on that, Jeff? I, you know, I think, I think you've, um, you've laid some groundwork there uh, in some of your recent posts, uh, you know, some of your blogs and stuff about the use of AI. And, and then the last couple of episodes, you had this discussion about the, the different ways you need to make sure that, that your communications reflect, you know, your brand, Mm -hmm. your opinion, your research, you know, Mm. because it is, it's nice that, um, you know, AI and automation can help ramp up the volume of stuff that you put out there, but, but then you just get, you get more eyeballs, but you get more, you create more clutter. Mm -hmm. So, you know, are you really getting mindshare, which is, which is the the goal. Um, and, uh, I mean, a client I've been working with, um, you know, they have a number of partners that really help us, uh, you know, automate the posts to um, to LinkedIn. I mean, we could use other platforms, but yeah. since LinkedIn is the only one that was relevant. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I've got to customize those. I've got to make sure that they're putting yep. uh, links back to our website, that they're mentioning mm. things that we do, whatever. Uh, so it's good. Um, but I just always worry about the fact that you've got the more eyeballs, more clutter problem. Mm. Um, Plus... And, uh, and, you know, and, and AI, I'm sure, I'm sure these companies that are, that are creating all these posts are using AI to give me 20 tweet, uh, tweets yeah. on, um, yeah. uh, you know, on cybersecurity, you know, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And it just goes, bloop, and, yeah. Yeah. well, you go, I mean, and also I think, um, think to what you were saying earlier on is like what's the relationship between the customer and that social media platform and how old are they expected to be talked to? on that platform and what's relevant for them. So you have to customize the content per, so I think it's very difficult. Yes. Execution, even using AI needs to be done carefully. I think is the, is the answer to that question, isn't it? And like you say, at the moment, 
we can all there's no differentiation in creating more content all of us can create more con- more content and then automate the fuck out of it and get it out there yes. in two minutes but yeah all right so that's five questions that we think that b2b marketers need to ask themselves when they're thinking about their social media strategy one of them which is relevant to the mpi thing which is are you in the business of shaping opinions the second why are you on social media and what's the strategy Third one, what social media platforms are relevant to your customers? And fourth, what can you learn by monitoring the mentions of your brand? And fifth, should you, could you, would you automate the execution? Should you, could you, would you? <laughs> I made that bit up. I like that. Notice. I like that. All right. So those are our five effing questions. And now only falls to the last agenda right, mate. And uh, you've got something peculiar this week to suggest from a song. What I, is it? I, did, I, 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 I went for uh, Bo Burnham, the satirist, um, yeah. who uh, has a lot of funny... Uh, tunes but he has one called welcome to the internet now that's a little broader than social media uh-huh. but when you listen to the song i mean it just goes it through is. all of the the pros and cons any and, and I, the quote from it is anything your brain anything that brain of yours can think of can be found yes make sure you're finding the Make sure you're putting the right stuff out there to be found. All right. Well, I'll leave- that was my that was my editorial comment on top. Of- <laughs> well, I'll play a short clip of that after this and um, <laughs> see what the listener makes. Of that. <laughs> uh, and I don't. I mean, there's no point in me just trying to find a bit that isn't profane because obviously I swear all the time, so I might as well leave it as it is. <laughs> so we'll do that. <laughs> so that'll be Welcome to the Internet by Bo Burnham. And next week, are we back in the studio? I can't. Yeah, remember. we are back in the we studio. Are we got That's uh, the last one before the holidays, right? Yes. All right, mate. I'll um, I'll see you next week. See you next week. Cheers, Betty. Welcome to the internet. Come and take a seat. Would you like to see the news or any famous women's feet? There's no need to panic. This isn't a test. <laughs> Just nod or shake your head and we'll do the rest. Welcome to the internet. What would you prefer? Would you like to fight for civil rights or tweet a racial slur? Be happy, be horny, be bursting with rage. We got a million different ways to engage. Welcome to the internet. Thank you, Jeff, for that was a little tiny snippet of Welcome to the Internet by Bo Burnham. Something new for me. But as Jeff sold it to me in his best Boston accent, it's wicked funny. I'll include a link to the full song in the show notes. And if you have questions, drop us a message via our website, rockstarcmo.com. Right, it's that time of the week to wind down in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar and join Chief Troublemaker at the content advisory, Robert Rose, for a cocktail and a marketing thought. (laughs) There's one thing that tops two of a kind in our business, and that is one of a kind. A performer that is so unique and outstanding that there's no one else quite like him. We have such a star of such magnitude with us tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, the inimitable Liberace. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend. I cannot believe what you've done with the bar. It is. <laughs> this is my. I think this might be my favorite theme ever. You've got the 1970s variety show going on here. It's. You've got Liberace doing music. You've got some of the. Looks at Robert Goulet. I mean, some of the best 1970s variety show stars doing musical numbers and a whole 70s. 
variety show theme. It's great. This could be broadcast on CBS here in the States. Um, it's just fantastic. Some of the music is just classic here. Well, as we come um, up for the holidays, I thought I'd put on a bit of the glitz. You know what I mean? A bit of yeah. The, a bit of the glitz. So yeah. Put- well, and I will tell you, you'll have no problem finding all of this on YouTube. <laughs> there, there are plenty of... So I made it very easy for you this week. But yes, no, it's a wonderful theme. I love the, uh, I love the absolute uh, theme here. All right. Um, well, um, yeah, we have a... We have a brilliant drink um, mm-hmm. to celebrate Christmas, um, yes. and uh, this is uh, maybe one of my favorite drinks that of, of the holiday. Of course, um, we call it the Santa Clausmopolitan. Santa <laughs> Clausmopolitan. Um, yes, it is a basic cosmopolitan, but it has yeah. got one um, one very, and it's not necessarily a difference because some of you may have done this before, mm-hmm. but it makes a difference in the presentation of this drink, which is. You want to get a sugar rim on the glass, right? Mm-hmm. And, and specifically, uh, a big, a nice white sugar um, comes to mind. So basically, a, a a sanding sugar or something like that, where you you know you're gonna uh, bake, basically take the rim of the glass and rub it mm-hmm. with the uh, uh, lime juice or you know cranberry juice or something mm-hmm. like that. Get it wet enough so that the sugar will stick, and then basically, when you pour the cosmopolitan in here which of course is going to be done in a mixing. This is going to be served yeah. in a martini glass and the more pointed the martini glass, the better. Um, which then of course you add your one part vodka, your one and a half part, um, well, maybe two parts vodka. Who knows? It's the holidays. Fine. <laughs> Celebrate. <laughs> Let's go. Um, one and a half part uh, cranberry juice uh, and then uh, one and uh, a quarter part triple sec eh, or don't skip that. You know, you know how I am with sugar. Yeah. Um, and then you've got your lime juice and then some cranberries and mix all that up, uh, basically doing um, all those things and put it into a shaker, shake it up, pour it into your martini glass with the sugar rim, and you're going to get a bright red drink with a rim that's oh. going to look just like Santa's hat. So you get the Santa Clausmopolitan. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's that sounds like a stock on. Definitely going to try that uh, over the holidays, maybe more than once. <laughs> What's the, and and where are we going to drink these wonderfully festive drinks, Rob? We let's see. Well, we should probably do this from mm-hmm. home. I think a home for Christmas. I think is yes. the is the. So you know, I would think we'll have a nice virtual you in your home, me in my home. Yes. We're staying home for Christmas this year, so I think a nice cozy fire. And a warm place to sit and have our cosmopolitans, um, and uh, and just be at home with our families. I love it. it just we, all we need to decide is how early you want to start, huh? because of our time difference. So uh, I'm in. <laughs> so um, the difference between UK and California—that was a reference to for the listener. Um, so and then when I mean we're home for the holidays, we're drinking these and um, the two sad old gits that we are, we end up talking about marketing anyway. What are we going to talk about this week? Well, we're <laughs> going. Yeah, what we're going to talk about is relationships, um, and uh, uh, it's 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 an important thing, and it, and it's something that I've been thinking a lot about over the last couple of weeks and I think is going to become an incredibly important piece of the 2024 mm-hmm. uh, marketing strategy, especially, I might add, in B2B. And mm-hmm. here's what I mean by that, which is, it's maybe maybe the better way to say this is it's a, it's a rebooting of the argument for great content marketing. Um, and so customer 
relationships like CRM, right, has been around mm-hmm. forever. And we've given lip service to the <laughs> idea of customer relation management for the last 25 years, for sure, yeah, right? Yeah. So whether it was Gartner or Tom Siebel with Siebel Systems or even Mark Benioff that really popularized the term back around the turn of the century, um, we have been dealing with the same questions around customer relationship management for 25 years. And by the way, not solved them mm. very well. Um, you know, the, and, and especially from the marketing side, right? And, and, and when I say CRM, customer relationship, um, I mean the relationship with the customer, not the service in terms of how our product might um, work or not work or be returned or, you know, whatever customer service yeah. is part of yeah. that. It's largely known now as the customer experience. Yeah. Um, but it is truly about how do we create that relationship with a customer going all the way back, by the way, to Peppers and Rogers, you know, the one to one future, yes. um, which was in the nineties. Um, and you know, I mean, then in the nineties, they were asking the question, like, how should a company treat its customers? What objective should the business set for the interactions that take place every step along their journey? How do you measure success of the relationship with a customer? Mm-hmm. Should different customers be treated differently? Mm-hmm. Is it sometimes necessary to reward customers by just participating in interactive activities or dialogue, not just buying products? And these are all the things that even 25 years later, we're still asking those questions. Yeah, yeah. And so one of the things that has struck me in the last few months is the idea of the value of relationships as it pertains to the content we create. And there's this wonderful, you know, so funny enough, when we think about relationships, right, there's this, there's this Irish proverb that I love so much. It, and, it, and it goes, we live in the shelter of others. And it's talking about the idea of relationships. And I mm-hmm. love that proverb. I love the way that that's said is because it implies that all relationships have the same kind of bond, even though, of course, they're different levels of strength, right? So the shelters that I get, for example, from my friends, my family, my coworkers, well, they're strong, right? But also I get shelters from my accountant or my teachers or the mailbox place where I Mm -hmm. bring all my packages. Those are shelters or value that I receive and that I give back in return, but they're not necessarily really strong bonds. But I do have a relationship with those. My favorite bands, my favorite musicians, my favorite actors. There's a relationship there because we get shelter from each other. Mm-hmm. And when we start thinking about that as brands, you know, maybe let's call it 10 years ago, um, right when social media was sort of at its peak, there was often this, you know, idea of relationships with customers and in through social media. And, you know, we would, you know, engagement and entertainment mm-hmm. and inspire and creating a bond with our customers through social media. And a lot of people would really sort of uh, thought leaders or marketing leaders would often sort of insult that idea or laugh at that idea. And they would say, look, nobody opens up their refrigerator and says, you know, I really want a better relationship (laughs) with my butter provider. Right. And, you know, and yeah, it got a laugh, but it always felt really cynical to me. Right. Yeah. Because it's true. Customers don't need a better relationship with their butter provider or their power supplier or their CRM software brand. Yeah. But that doesn't diminish the marketing, the business's need or mandate to establish stronger relationships with those audiences. And so when we start thinking about that, well, 
they live in our shelter for some time and we live in theirs for some time. And so the question isn't whether it should exist. The question is, how strong should it be? Right. And if I think about it, for example, like, yeah, if I make, if my product is like enterprise grade DC power supplies, you know, like you know, that's what <laughs> I make for a living. Yeah. That shelter's pretty weak between, you know, me and the customer. It's for a very short time and it's, you know, basically a pretty weak bond. But if my brand helps my customers to be better electrical engineers, well, then the potential exists for that bond to be stronger. Mm-hmm. And that's the real key here. When we start thinking about that, and a perfect example of this, and we've talked about this on the show before, is Amazon, right? Amazon makes Prime Video, and Prime Video is a service that it offers. And if you look at the money here, so Prime Video last year earned about $5 billion in revenue, and it spent $16 billion on content. Yeah, And you can't make up Hollywood math, basically, to say, if that were a standalone business, we'd be saying, put it out of its misery. Yeah, But Amazon keeps Prime Video going, not because it's a profitable business, because it brings in Amazon Prime memberships. Mm -hmm. And revenue from Prime memberships totals $35 billion last Mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. And if you peel that idea back even further, you can understand that Prime Video is the mechanism to do that, because my relationship with any retailer, like a Walmart or a Target or Amazon, is pretty weak. It's only when I need them. That shelter is not that strong. But my relationship with Amazon in exchange for amazing movies and great TV shows and all that stuff, well, it's a lot stronger. My relationship mm-hmm. with that brand is stronger because of it. That's why. And so as we move into 24 and generative AI, makes access to content more democratized than ever before as our trust in that digital content will start to wane and we start valuing the source of information rather than just the information itself yeah and audiences want more personal content communication not necessarily just technically personalized well i think the building and building and leaning into the brand relationship with audiences is going to become paramount for us now, does that express itself in deeper, more meaningful content marketing? Probably. I think so. I mean, I'm certainly leaning into that. Yeah. But the point is, is that, yes, my relationship with my family isn't nearly the same as the one with my favorite brands. But in each one of them, the stronger shelter through shared understanding, through the shared experiences, through universal truths, through storytelling, all of that makes those bonds stronger. And isn't that just a better direction yeah. and goal for our brand yeah and that's what i think i love that and i think everybody uses that example don't they of opening the fridge and the butter and stuff but there's such a gamut of different products i mean i tend to live in the b2b world of SaaS products and it's essential that you maintain that relationship with the customer because somebody else is trying to court them away from you and you know it it's it it has to be an ongoing relationship it has to be an ongoing relationship of trust and and all that good stuff and that's how you build that trust and I also think like a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about um, purpose on um, on your show on this old marketing. And it's 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 that as well, isn't it? Is it it's it's um, it, it's it's understanding what your values are and what you what you stand for is as part of your brand, which is going to resonate with people about when they buy your product. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's certainly part of it. Right. Mm. I mean. Look, you know, I mean, we talked <laughs> about the purpose-driven yeah, idea, yeah. the purpose-driven marketing idea, and sort of the 
pushback or blowback that yeah. brands have gotten from taking this. And my strong feeling is, is that this isn't as much a external issue as it is an internal issue. Mm -hmm. One for the desire for virality yeah. um, is overriding our effort to yes. go find out if the actual institution or our business actually believes what we're talking about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, this is the Bud Light story writ yeah. large, which is they didn't actually bother to say, how much do we really believe in standing up for this community mm. um, before we try and go out and make a provocative ad about it? And the yeah. ad wasn't that provocative, but yeah. but by basically throwing their marketing team and throwing the business, throwing themselves under the proverbial bus, they yeah. basically said to both communities, we don't care, right? We don't, yeah. you know, in other words, we, it is just a marketing stunt. We don't believe yeah. this, you know, because yeah. A, we're apologizing for it when we shouldn't have to apologize for it yeah. um and so and then b we're you know we're, we're we're sticking by our guns to actually you know claim the right to be able to say this thing and people go yeah, yeah but you don't believe it yeah. and so you're making both communities not care <laughs> yeah you know which is which is really a, a, you know at almost a almost an impressive thing to do right you know how, how do i make <laughs> the most people not care about my brand um and so that's the real challenge of the purpose-driven storytelling, which is yeah. you have to understand and make sure that you, I mean, when I, when I say you, the institution, the business believes it yeah. before you can start to, you know, and then, which means you're not going to apologize for it. There's no yeah. reason to apologize for it. Yeah. Um, and if you feel like you're going to have to walk it back or apologize for it, then you better think twice about doing it because it's not worth doing. Yeah. And that falls, then there's a spectrum of that, right? All the way down to, how is it that we want to create those bonds or that value exactly. with that audience, yeah, with that yeah. community? Yeah. And it could be literally something as simple as like, you know, like I mentioned, the, the electrical company that doesn't yeah. just sell generators, but it actually yeah. helps electrical engineers be better electrical engineers. That's a yeah. different kind of brand bond than it is with just selling them a product. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like uh, years ago, you used to talk, we, we've chatted about, you know, I, th I think about the example, it's probably an example in, in many, con in your content marketing books, I should think of the, the swimming pool guy who taught people all about swimming pools and how to fit swimming pools and stuff. He didn't just sell, swimming, he created that relationship prior to anybody purchasing a swimming pool. Okay. You you probably know these case studies off by heart, and I've I've forgotten who it was. But it, it it's it. But these things. My point really about bringing up that, the brand purpose thing. I know there's a there's there's for and against in that argument. But the um was more like what what you were saying about building this relationship through content is it has to be genuine and it has to be authentic. Oh, I was going to say the word authentic, and now that that word has got so badly solid. But it is about being authentic, isn't it? Yeah, it has to add. I mean, yeah. I think you said the word right. It has to. It has to provide shelter. It has to add value. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's. You know what you're doing. You know, and and again, it comes back to that sort of cynicism to say, well, I don't need shelter from my butter, right? Or I don't yeah. need shelter from <laughs> you know that gear housing that I need to buy for my yeah. car. You know, and yeah, and it's like you don't. You don't need shelter from your butter, or you don't need shelter from the gear housing that you buy from your car. But what you will appreciate, you know, is, and it's, you know, that's an easy thing to go, okay, we're not that kind of company, right? We're not like a fashion brand. We're not a musical or entertainment brand. We're not a educational brand. We're not a, you know, we're not puppies, right? And so 
we're not going <laughs> to be the kind of company, the brand, to actually be able to offer our customers any more than what we can offer them, right? You know, yeah. whether it be selling rain gutters or it be selling, you know, it's selling widgets, you know, literally gear widgets to to B two B, you know, mm. manufacturing companies. It's like mm. those. That's all true, except you do need to do that yeah. if you're going to differ because. With technology, it's not just the messaging and the proliferation of content that's democratized. Technology is democratizing everything from mm. manufacturing to the as, as assembly to product creation to globalization. All of that is coming, you know, for you fast and furious where mm. the next competitor to your business isn't going to be the next competitor to your business. It's going to be the scrappy little startup that's starting up in, you know, wherever. Yeah. And yeah. And if you don't have a stronger connection to your company's yeah. audience yeah. than the widgets that you make, well, yeah. then you're ripe for being, you know, uh, you're ripe for either being completely mediocre or failing outright. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's funny you use the example there of a gear housing. I know that you're not a big car guy, but the other day I had to, um, I had to choose new tires for my car. Then, and, and I didn't, I went in there, I didn't know I needed new tires. So then, you hadn't prepared or done any research and somebody says do you want brand a or brand b now and i'm like and there, there's a feeling inside it isn't a well i mean i guess i could have just chosen on price that might have been true but when it's something around safety and all that kind of stuff you've got all that playing in your mind i don't want the cheapest tire because that might be unsafe so what's the story both of these brands have told me that i remember where i go i'm gonna have that one so I think I think content is important. I think content marketing branding is important. It, it's regardless. exactly right. Yeah, and, yeah. And the other side of that, very quickly here, is that yeah. there are also product companies, service companies, where there is no desire to buy the product. Right? There, you know. The, in other mm. words, the propellant for purchasing is all about an event. Right. Yeah. So let's say insurance is a good example. Yes. Yeah, Nobody wants to buy insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The reason that you buy insurance is because there's an event that happens. You buy a car, you buy a house, you get a yeah. job, you get married, you know, whatever the thing yeah, is, you, yeah. there is an event that happens that propels yeah. you to have to want to buy something. Now think yeah. about how you're going to choose which one you're going to go with. Is yeah. it the one that's going to continually to build a better relationship with you in some fashion mm -hmm. or the one who simply says, yeah, here's the cheapest or here's the, you know, here's the, here's, you know, you, you know, here's the, here's the commoditized product called insurance yeah. and the AB there, you know, and the same goes for legal services or hospitals or just about mm -hmm. anything you're going to buy where the, it's based on, you know, your, your initial choice might yeah. be based on need, but your future preference is going to be based on, uh, preference yeah and absolutely. that's such an incredibly important thing to have a brand value yeah. associated with absolutely absolutely well um when people are looking for content that creates a great relationship with your customers robert where would they find that well they'll find that at contentadvisory.net which is our consulting website and often uh -huh. where we post such things as we've talked <laughs> about today um uh -huh. and Additionally, we've got our wonderful coaching website, which also has supplemental materials from our lovely book mm -hmm. called Content Marketing Strategy, and that you can find at the aforementioned named contentmarketingstrategy.com. <laughs> I'll include links to those in the show notes. I've also been including some links to your rose-colored glasses 
um, uh, it's rose. It's not rose-colored specs. It's rose-colored glasses. Um, uh, um, articles that you post on Content Marketing Institute's blog too. So uh, you're yeah, all over the place. place. Yeah, that's you're a great place. place. <laughs> all right, Betty, and but you're all over the place. And will you be in the bar next week to celebrate the holidays? Uh, apparently, that's what I've heard. The rumor is I will. <laughs> I will very much come back if you've got this wonderful <laughs> 70s variety show keeping going because this is just amazing definitely do that for you I'll see you next thank you Robert love that more words to live by this week with the Irish proverb in the shelter of each other the people live and at the beginning that was a bit of Liberace I never expected to be playing that so that's a wrap on episode 196 of the Rockstar CMO effing marketing podcast. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks to Jeff and Robert for sharing their insights and to you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. You can find links to me, Jeff and Robert and their work in the show notes at rockstarcmo.com along with our blog, newsletter and all of our previous episodes. Please drop us a rating or review in your favourite podcast app or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, as is the tradition at this time of year, we are diving into predictions. Jeff and I will share some of our favourites and Robert will bring his own to the virtual bar. Until then, have a great week and I hope you'll again join us here next week on Rockstar CMO FM. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.